Hello and welcome to another Sporting CP Podcast. My name is Carl Santos. I'm the host of this podcast. And uh, as you probably know, we've done a few of these now. This is a sporting uh, a podcast dedicated to Sporting CPs, uh, otherwise known as Sporting Lisbon, to you English-speaking folks. And um, it's an English-speaking podcast. It's ga- it's meant to kind of draw attention and uh, to the team and to talk about this team in the English language. And we're today it's July 6, 2020, and we just finished our match uh, sporting against Moreirense, ended in a scoreless draw. Now, there's something I find absolutely intriguing about this match, um, but we're going to talk about the match. So what we're going to do today is talk about this match, talk a little bit about some transfer news, um, a little bit about some election stuff, and that'll be it. It'll be a short podcast, I think. So first, let's talk about this game. It ends in a scoreless draw. And the way I saw it, there's basically two games that were played today. One before the red card to Halish, to, to Moreirense, and then the one afterwards. And um, two different games, and uh, both equally frustrating. If you're a sporting fan, at least I found it frustrating. So the game started with typical formation, the 3-4-3 formation, which is Ruben Amram's favorite. Um, and uh, one of the things I really appreciate here is he brought in a lot of more changes i think there were four changes from the last lineup now we had acuna back which is great uh luis neto uh came in for eduardo uh, caresma as the right-sided um center back in the th- back three um who else was in there um i'm looking at the the lineup here now um oh Bet- bataglia came in into the center as well and giovanni was back so uh, a few changes now in the game, I don't know if you watched it, but in the, up until the red card comes, Sporting probably was the better side, at least it looked a little bit more dangerous, but they were not by and far, far you know, far and away the better team by any stretch. And the reason I thought it was so frustrating to see how much of the ball the Moreirense had was against coming to something I mentioned last uh, the last week that I've seen uh, that is a problem with the formation in general. I mean, any as we said before, any formation has strengths and weaknesses. Um, I, I, I know I said this, you have 11 players on the pitch. You're going to, whenever you move them around, you're going to bring strengths, but also weaknesses. It's just the way it is. And um, the, the weakness in this formation, the way they're playing right now, is the, the front three, the trident of those forwards, which uh, today was uh, uh, Giovanni on the left, Sparar in the middle, and Plata on the right. Well, they stay up front pretty well, and that's what they want. But then the four midfielders, you have the two central midfielders, um, uh, Nunez and Bataglia today, and then the two wingbacks, Wostovsky on the right, Acuna on the left, and then the three centerbacks. Well, those two wingbacks, Acuna and Rostovsky, generally stay wide. That's what you want. You want to have them there to provide width to allow Giovanni and, and Plata to get inside. But what happens is you leave, you're left with two midfielders in the center, so you're going to be over um, overwhelmed by teams that will stalk the midfield. And Moreirense did that today. They had more guys in the center of the pitch. So they kept winning battles in the, up until the red card in the midfield. And as a result, they had control of the ball far more than Sporting, I'm sure, would have liked. But it's because there just wasn't enough bodies in the midfield. And the two that were there, with all due respect to them, were just not good enough as well, I think. Um, so there's some that formation is going to be problematic, and teams will um, will usually defend against this sort of formation by putting more men in the midfield. Yes, that exposes them to wing attacks, but do you see what happened today? 
Sporting again continued to funnel the ball out to the wings. Luis Neto had more hit more touches than any other player on the pitch with 105 today on the right-hand side. And then on the other uh, other side of the pitch, was all, again, the, the play was funneled largely through the left-hand side as far as the forwards go with Acuna with 81 touches, Borja 60 at this, in his, on his side of the centre-backs, Giovanni 59. I mean, Nuno Mendes came in at the 60-minute mark and he had 49 touches on the left. Um, so sporting as a result of having nobody in that midfield is going to work down the wings, which is what they seem to want to do and they do have strength there. But then they don't have a striker that they can really f- cross the ball into the middle with. You saw that today. Um, I am not a fan of Andre Sparar, all in all. Let me know. You may disagree with me. I don't know if we have a good enough striker to compete for the title as it is. And I haven't heard many strikers being linked with the club uh, so far this summer. And that worries me a little because it means that Ruben Amram, I think, thinks that we've got good enough players with uh, Pedro Mendes, um, Andre Sparar, and Luis Philippe. Now, Luis Philippe is okay. He is injured at the moment, so it's hard to know exactly how he's going to fit with Amram's style. But um, he's he's not bad. Is he good enough? I don't know. Let's hope so. But today, Sparar, um, as a striker, okay, Sparar as a striker who played the entire game, had eight touches of the ball. Um, he only had one shot in the entire game. He completed 40% of his passes only. Now, strikers are not going to be past maniacs, so they're not going to you know, usually have 90% pass completion, but 40 is pretty terrible, considering he only touched the ball eight times. So... It tells me that either, for two things, one, he's not good enough, and two, his players, I don't think his teammates have confidence in him. They're not whipping crosses into him generally, but when they did, when Nuno Mendes came in and him and he and Giovanni were drilling passes, uh, crosses into the middle from the left-hand side, they were just getting blocked a lot because by then it was pretty clear that Morerens had condensed so much that the only way to get through was to have long shots, which Nuno Mendes... Um, not Nuno Mendes, um, Mateus Nunes uh, tried a few times, Wendell tried, uh, but it just wasn't working. Uh, by the time the red card came, Sporting dominated possession, but then they seemed to not know how to unlock a, a team that sat back. And this is what I talked about before. We don't have uh, a, a midfielder, a, a guy who's a maestro who can unlock people like Fernandez used to. Um, so we, I think that's got to be something they have to find because teams will sit back on them. A lot, and I, uh, I think the game was frustrating for me to watch. There are some bright spots. I love Nuno Mendes. This guy has been really good. I mean, he came in at the 60 minute mark, touched the ball 50 times, had three key passes, um, and he had some nice give and goes with Giovanni, uh, Giovanni Cabral on the side. So I think there's some, there's always some bright spots to take away. But it was quite frustrating. Uh, Joel Joelson came in as well. Fernandez, Joelson Fernandez, and um, didn't really do a whole lot. Not necessarily his fault. Uh, he came in and was kind of just there. <laughs> Didn't do a ton um, as well. But I, the tempo really did pick up, though, when Wendell and Nuno Mendes came on. When those two guys came on, it seemed to spark something in the in the midfield. I think Wendell's got to be playing. I know you got to give the guy a break sometimes. He needs rest. But, boy, right now he seems like the midfielder with the most dynamism who can really do something. Um, he's the only option, really. Um, so it's a frustrating game, zero, zero draw. Let me know what you think. I'll try to post some stuff on Instagram and, um, and see if, uh, what you guys all thought, uh, all in all player of the game. Oh, who is it? Um, I wouldn't even be able to tell you, <laughs> I watched the whole game and I'm not sure I was just, I was impressed with Nuno Mendes when he came in, but that was only after the red card. So I'd hate to say that. I thought Luis Neto played quite well. 
as well. I was happy to see that because I know he's getting older, but um, you know, we need all the guys we can get there. So yeah, let me know what you think about this, about the game, if you saw it. Um, and if you have, if you disagree with me, if you think Sparrar is a great player, let me know. Um, you know, and, uh, I hope he turns out to be better. I was kind of, I was on the fence with him, but the last few games, oh my, haven't seen much from him. Um, so yeah, let me know what you think. Disappointing to have a draw there, but it is what it is. Uh, we still hold on to third place, so it's not quite as comfortable as I would have liked had they have won today. Now from there, it's, it's pretty natural to turn to transfer news. And you'll notice if you're following on me on the, um, Instagram, you're going to see, I'll, I'll mention every time I'm hearing anything about transfers just to keep things interesting. And I love talking about transfers. So what's happened lately? Well, this Bruno Gaspar, a sporting player went to Olympiacos on a, on a, um, uh, on a loan this year. And he's, and they won the championship, uh, the, the Greek championship Olympiacos with a Portuguese coach. And uh, it looks like they're going to activate their option to buy Gaspar from sporting. Now the downside is they're going to buy him for um, 1 million <laughs> euros. So Sporting's not going to get a, a whole lot out of this. Uh, Gaspar was purchased um, from Fiorentina back on the Bruno de Carvalho uh, era when he was president and hasn't worked out all that well. It looks like Olympiacos likes him. He's enjoying his time there, I think. So that's going to happen. So he's going to be leaving the club. On the left side, with uh, as I've said before, with Acuna heading out, we're going to need somebody to cover up a little bit. Now, Nuno Mendes is looking really good, but he's a teenager. He's 17, 18, whatever he is. Um, so we've been rumored to have Vitoriano Antunes, another Portuguese guy. He currently plays with Hetafe in Spain. And uh, he's okay. He's 30 years old, and he's he certainly could do a good job on that side and provide some, some veteran stability just in case Nuno Mendes takes a step back. He's quite young. But uh, like I said, right now, I really like Nuno Mendes. I think he's he's been um, exceptional. He's 18 years old, yeah. Um, and uh, as far as otherwise, you're hearing a lot of stuff about Zou, uh, Zohir, uh, sorry, Zuhir Fadal. He is a, um, a Moroccan left, or sorry, Moroccan center back who plays currently for Real Batiste in Spain. Uh, 28 years old. He's left-footed. He's used to playing on that side. He's pretty solid with the ball at his feet. He's a big, strong kid. And um, yeah, I mean, he's, he seems like a good fit. And 3 million euros. I think that's a pretty sweet deal, to be honest. I think they may have a good steal here. Um, I would certainly hesitate um, before calling him, you know, Jeremy Mathieu. I don't know if he's quite as offensively minded as Mathieu was. Um, but uh, But he seems like a solid option to bring back. And it looks like uh, even today, I'm hearing that this is pretty much a done deal. Spanish reports are this is a done deal, and he's coming. So um, I will say with certain, pretty good certainty, he's coming. So that'll be interesting. Um, there's also been rumors about Danilo Barbosa, who you, you guys may remember him. He played for uh, Braga before being sold off to Nice in France, and now it looks like he's coming back. Now, it could be a... Uh, people are kind of split on whether or not they like him here. He's a little bit more offensive minded. He's just kind of a, he's a solid midfielder. I, I, I don't think he's going to just, you know, make sporting a, um, incredibly uh, much better or worse for that matter. But, but it looks like a pretty sweet deal as far as payment as well. He was purchased from Braga by Nice for 10 million euros. And it looks like we could get him for 4 million. Do we want to take a chance on him? He's a bit more offensively minded, pretty decent from set pieces. Not a bad choice, but certainly not a savior. I don't think this is a savior kind of guy. This is a filler kind of guy. Um, and of course, Adrian Silva is a rumor to be interested in coming back. 
And I talked about him on the last podcast. He, of course, went to uh, Leicester. Hasn't done as well there as they hoped. They sent him out on loan to Monaco, where, again, he was just kind of blah. And he's clearly not in the plans of either of those teams. So he's looking for a home. He's 31 years old. Um, Might be a decent pick. Uh, He knows the club. He knows the Portuguese league. He's energy. I loved him when he played for sporting. I was singing his praises. I'm uh, kind of saddened he didn't do better at Leicester because I was looking forward to him being a, a really good uh, engine guy in the midfield. But um, So he may come back. And with some good news, Joelson uh, Fernandez was contracted and it kind of puts, a, puts to bed the idea that he's going to be sold this summer, we think. Of course, the big offers may come. We have had lots of teams looking at him. Arsenal we've heard about and even Barcelona. Um, but he's young, you know, they want to get him young and cheap rather than wait until next year or two years from now when he's, uh, done really well, potentially in the Portuguese league. And then they're paying Joao Felix, um, numbers for him. So you can understand the big clubs trying to poach him, but I think sporting and, um, and, uh, Federico Varandas has done, have done well to, to lock him up and many other young players as well. So that's transfer news. Let me know what you're hearing, what you're thinking. I put some stuff out on Instagram asking who you'd sign and uh, had some great responses. And one of them, of course, was somebody asking, saying we should sign Ronaldo and Messi and uh, uh, Kevin De Bruyne <laughs> and Mbappe. Yeah, that in FIFA, I would struggle to do that. I don't think I could do it in um, in real life, but, but lots of fun. Great interacting with you guys. And um, other than that, elections. So I, nothing much to mention there, but I thought I'd mention it because I do want to make sure um, we're talking about the club as a whole. And uh, there's been a lot of questions about the elections lately. You know, people are, uh, Verandas does not have great support amongst some of the, some, some voting groups anyway. And we saw that a few weeks ago when uh, people are putting out videos saying they're going to run against him in 2022. Um, and that's going to happen. You see, he was voted uh, based on the system in, that Sporting has, he was voted in as president because even though he had the minority of votes, he didn't have 50% of the vote by any stretch, but he had great support from long-term members. And in the Sporting world, what happens is the longer you're a member, the more weight is given to your vote. So you don't have to have the majority of votes. You need to. What you need to do is gain the support of the people with the, the, the more important votes. And that's what Verandas did. So he was elected with a minority. So he's always going to have people complaining. He's always going to be fighting against people trying to get him out. I personally think he's doing an okay job. I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. There's lots of issues in sporting in general, but I don't, I don't think he's doing so bad. And I put a thing out on our Instagram and most of you agree he's doing a pretty good job too. About two thirds of you say you're quite content with him. So I say give him time, but there is there was a committee created by sporting this week um, that is going to look, I was excited when I saw it, but, but all they're doing is trying to determine how to get online voting created so that people who are members outside of, uh, being able to walk into a facility and vote physically, can they vote digitally? Now that's great that they're doing that. It'll expand and have greater participation in the votes, which is good. It's what they want, but they made no mention that I know of about, uh, votes uh, about changing this weighting of votes so that to go to a, what they call an absolute majority, meaning let's just have a vote and whoever has the majority of the votes wins. Uh, one for one. Your one vote is worth one vote. Doesn't matter if you've been a member for 50 years or five years or one year. Um, so nothing on the news there, but that's just updating you a little bit. 
other than that, that's all I got for today. Let's close this one up, guys. I really appreciate you uh, interacting with with us on, on with me online and and listening to this. Send me questions. Send me feedback. I'd love to have more viewer and listener comments that I can add to this. But in the meantime, thanks so much. Have a great day. Go sporting. <laughs>